0: Morning. We're doing okay today? Amen, amen. Come on, let's give God our praise, our thanksgiving. Let's enter into His presence.
1: Come, let us worship the keys. i mm-hmm.
0: And I can give my hand a rest. That was insane. That song. I tell you, ah, too early in the morning for that. You guys doing okay? okay. Yeah, just okay. Are you doing great? You're doing fine. Don't you love that? you doing good. <laughs> and uh, we're getting, we're doing great. Some somebody's doing great over here. Look, a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, I I oh say goodbye to the kids. Or yeah. Say goodbye to the the stock family Robinson heading down there so, <laughs> so uh, praise God we, uh, we started uh, Jerry started a new Bible study downstairs, and she 's got another one coming in December as well. I forgot to put that in the bulletin, but that 's every morning at nine o 'clock downstairs. She does a great great job with it and then november twenty fifth Saturday you have an insert so you can put that on your fridge uh, even needs your help. Yes, yes. Don't leave it all up to Eva. Please don't leave it all up to Eva. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But uh, she's going to be decorating the church on Saturday, uh, November 25th at 10 a.m. so we can be ready for Christmas. And uh, if you could sign up in the lobby and put your phone number, then she can give you a call and remind you we really do need help in that. The more hands. And it's actually fun. It really is fun. We have a lot of nice decorations and and pizza will be provided, hey, hallelujah. So uh, that's, that's going to be a great time. So please see Eva if you have any questions. And then today, the seniors are taking off for lunch after church, right? Right, so yeah, Lion already told me, make it a short message today. He's going to be back there going like this, he said. Because so, you're hungry already. You're hungry already! Stop it! <laughs> And then I'm really excited. I don't know if you drove up from the front. We got a banner out. I'm excited about this year's Christmas, Experiencing Christmas series, beginning in December. There's uh, little invite cards in your bulletin, also back on the table to invite people. It has the uh, church address and phone number, web address, directions, all on this little invite card. So please grab as many as you can hand out. We'd really appreciate getting the word out. I'm excited about Christmas. If you remember... Um, And and I was really kind of excited to to go this theme. There was something that really stuck out for me when we were talking about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of those was how do we sense the Holy Spirit? And if you remember, he talked about our five, we, he, me, I talked about our five uh, spiritual senses and, and how we can sense the Holy Spirit with uh, everything from taste to smell to touch to, you know, all those things in your heart and all those things that, that God has given us. So I'm going to take the song, Do You Hear What I Hear?, If you remember that, and I also have, do you uh, smell what I smell? Do you touch what I touch? Do you see what I see? Those kind of things. And we're going to talk about those experiences at Christmas and how it relates to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it'll be a fun, fun series, and I encourage you, invite somebody. Look, a lot of people might come to church because they saw it online. Some people might come to church because they drove by. Some Assemblies of God people, oh, where's the AG church closest to me? Boom, that's the one I go to. But in reality, the majority of people out far outweighs, it's like 70% of people came to church because someone invited them. And so that's what we're called to do, to reach and preach the gospel. Look, you may not be comfortable in sharing your faith, but we can share our family, our church family. So it's that simple. Look, we're not called to to bring people to church. We're called to bring people to Christ. But at the same time, we're called to community. And the great thing about a community is it only gets better with the more people you have. I used to do this thing in children's church all the time. I'd make the kids come up and hold hands and make a circle. And I would talk about their little click. So these are your friends. You're your close friends. Yeah. And I said, you don't want to break that circle because we're so tight and we're comfortable in that circle. But I said, but watch what happens when you invite someone in. And I invite someone in and I'd have them open up two hands and then they would grab two hands. I said, you still have a circle. It's still strong. It's just bigger. So that's the beauty of church, and, and and just invite someone to make our circle a little bigger. And uh, feel called to do it, because that's our job, is to reach people, for the lost, reach people who are hurting, and bring them to the throne of God. It's the only place where real change happens. Amen? Amen. I'm sure I'm forgetting some other announcements. Please check your bulletin, and uh, God bless you this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet and meet and greet one another? Yeah, or this time, greet and then meet someone. How about that? we would do it that way. And you get a whole five minutes to do it. To all you online, God bless you this morning. I hope you'll stay tuned for the message. It's gonna be a good one today as we go into Thanksgiving. God bless you. Wow. Well, God bless you this morning. I have the best view with those. I the with those uh blinds gone. It's so pretty right now. This <laughs> is Yeah, that's pretty cool too, huh? So nice. God bless you this Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, sheesh. It all kind of blends into one now, it seems like sometimes. Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, like it's all one thing. They do, they do. Don't you? I can't stand those people who already got decorations up for Christmas in their house. I see pictures on Facebook, already done! It's not even Thanksgiving. That's not right. It's not right. Don't rush me. Well, as we get towards the end of the year, I do encourage you to take the opportunity to pray about your end-of-the-year giving. It's real important to us as we have that push towards the end of the year to see where we're at financially. And it's a great opportunity to uh, to just just pray. Just pray and say, God, you know, what would you have me give this season? You know, there's a lot of people in need this year. There's people who need uh, financial help at the uh, food bank, in which we're going to help them out with that. I know we're also going to be doing angel tree this year and help with that. Uh, Susan's downstairs, but I was hoping she would be up here. She's awful excited about that, and I think that's wonderful. So uh, just encourage you, um, Finances are tough for everybody, but I do know this. God is faithful. No matter when I've ever been in that issue of how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to put gas in the car? How is this all going to work out? God has always, always come through. Always. Even when I'm not faithful, He is faithful. And I just encourage you to, to, to give what God calls you to your heart, not what your mind says, not what your pocketbook says, but what God says. And he will always show himself true. Always, always, always. And I know I'm not the only one with testimony after testimony of, of God showing up when I, I can't believe it. How did that happen? Why did that? What? Huh? And then you look back. We're going to talk about it in, in this, this week's message about about sometimes you need to write some of these things down so you can go back to those times when you find yourself. Because isn't it true we're either going into a storm or in the middle of a storm or we're coming out of a storm. And it's a cycle. And so it's always wonderful to look back and go, look what God has done. So Father, this morning as we worship you with our tithes, with our offerings, with our hearts that want to give to you, God, we show you our priority in this giving. We show you how our dependence is upon you in our giving. And Father, we show others that your faithfulness is always true and always there for us. Sometimes I've talked to people and tithing doesn't make sense to them, but God, your ways aren't our ways. And I don't know how it all works, but I know that you take care of your children abundantly. And we thank you for that. Bless this offering that we receive for you, God. Help us to have wisdom and good stewardship as a church leadership. I pray for those this morning that are struggling and that, God, you would show up in such a mighty way. I pray for those who have been faithful in their giving, that, God, you would show yourself even more abundantly generous than ever before. And, Father, will you just help us to bless others. We thank you for your provision in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love this. This song has some great words to it. In the first verse, it says, I can count a million times people asking me, how can I praise you with all that I've gone through? It's because of all that I've gone through that I can praise him. Amen. So come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning and let's give God the glory. Let's give him our best.
1: Count a million times, people asking me how I praise you and all that I've got.
2: Thank you all for showing up today, and we have great words coming our way, I feel it today. Thank you, Father God, for being here with us and to guide us and to just let us know your Word, Lord, and that we can enrich our lives together and touch others. That is so important. We just thank you and we praise you for this day and for those that are coming up that we just know your direction will guide us. In Jesus' holy name, amen.
3: um, mm-hmm.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word this morning, Father. Help us to sink that in our hearts, carry it with us wherever we go. Quicken our spirits when we need it. Father, let us be open to receiving your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John, for stepping out in faith like that. I Appreciate. You know what I do? You know what I do sometimes, and and you and it was wonderful how God does this. I listened to sometimes the cadence and the tenor and the voice, and I knew when you were wrapping up in your spiritual language, this tenderness, this love this fatherly love that was coming across, and then when, as the Bible says, as a tongue is presented in, in a congregation or a corporate setting, that there should be a translation. Actually, it says the person giving the word in the spiritual language then should give the translation, and it, uh, and it was interesting that when you got to the end, I had a feeling it was going to be like that, and it was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for that. I always feel bad for people who step out and God gives the translation to someone else. That person steps out in faith, speaks in tongues, and freaks everybody out for a second there, and then we pray for a translation. The other person, oh, I'm not going to do it. And throws the other person under the bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> praise God. We will receive that word this morning from the Lord. We are his children, and he will do things that are, I like that, that are ununderstandable. I like that a lot. And, uh, One of the things that we've been talking about in this series is being grateful. And sometimes we live in circumstances where it's just too hard to be grateful. It's too hard to be thankful. It's sometimes hard to have an attitude of gratitude when you're going through pain, when you're going through poverty, or you're going through a difficult time. It's hard to find those things to be thankful for. Last week we talked about having that attitude of gratitude. We talked about there was even science to back it up. That the fact that gratitude leads to better life. And we looked at some of the scriptures that command us. Here's one to be grateful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Always. And you know, I looked up that word always in the original text. And you know what it means? You're right. It means always. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We looked at examples of ingratitude last week, and we looked at some tremendous examples of gratitude last week as well. We even did the gratitude dance. And I'm sorry, Nathan, you missed it last week, so we would just ask you this morning to give us the... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You don't have to give us your gratitude dance. But it's true. Sometimes, and when we get happy, we do dance, don't we? We do. So, and, and I don't care how old you are, how big you are, how little you are. Your team scores a touchdown. You're going. My wife always thinks, especially when the World Series is won at that end, she goes, look at them. They turn into 10-year-old boys. <laughs> we do, because we do our happy dance. Today, we're going to look at some of the practical aspects of how to live out this life of a thanks living. How can we do this? How can we daily, not just at Thanksgiving time, how can we have this attitude of gratitude? And what are some of the things that can help us do that? Because Thanksgiving's a very unique holiday. It's only in our country. Thanksgiving is is a proclamation that was originally uh, given by Governor Bradford in 1623. That's about three years after the pilgrims settled in Plymouth. Listen to this. I'm going to read a, a couple of proclamations here. One's from Governor Bradford. It says, to all ye pilgrims, inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and in so much as he has protected us from the rages of savages, he has spared us from the predestined, uh, spared us from pre- pestilence and disease, he has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now, I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and ye little ones. Do gather at ye meeting house and on ye hill between the hours of nine and twelve in the daytime on thursday november twenty ninth of the year of our Lord one thousand six hundred and twenty three and the third year since the pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock there to listen to, there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving ye all to Almighty God. For all of his blessings, H. U. West Mayor said this: "The Pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. No Americans have ever been more impoverished than who never left. Nevertheless, these impoverished set aside a day of Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is also distinctive in this sense: don't, we don't commemorate some kind of battle. It's nobody's birthday." It's not an anniversary of any kind. It's simply a day to express our nation's thanks to our nation's God. That's it. Very unusual. In 1789, George Washington made this public proclamation, and I'm only going to read part of it because it goes on and on. But there's a strong and absolute acknowledgement of the fact of God and our nation's dependence upon him. Says, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress, I don't know if you've ever heard both houses of Congress in agreement lately. Whereas both houses of Congress have agreed, having their joint committee requesting me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of the Almighty God. Imagine both. House and Senate coming to the president and saying, hey, we need a day of thanksgiving to God and a day of prayer. And we, we, we all agree on it, both sides. He continues, "Thou therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday the 26th of November to be devoted to the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the benefit author of all good that was, is, and or that will be. It's one day, it's one day in our government that they said we have got to give thanks to God. To God. It's not very politically correct. It's not very woke. But it's our history. And it's our founding history. Do you think our forefathers had if they could see the current way we celebrate Thanksgiving? you think that's what they had in mind, what we do now? You know, Thanksgiving, it wasn't just a day of Thanksgiving. It was a day of prayer as well. But now it's a day of football. It's getting ready for Black Friday or Black Thursday now too. Where it's about gorging ourselves till we have too much stuff turkey and all we can do is sleep on the couch. (coughs) Well, we may not find the answer if that's what the forefathers would have wanted. But what we want for Thanksgiving sometimes can be a little clouded by what the forefathers wanted. So I I have a clip of what moms might want for Thanksgiving. So maybe we could run that.
2: As we prepare for Thanksgiving, Melinda and I would like to take a moment to reflect on the blessings of this season. As moms, all we want is a peaceful celebration with our families. The time we spend preparing the food that will grace our table is our gift to our loved ones. Each morsel is a token of our love and appreciation to our families. Our reward is the smiles on your beautiful faces and warm hugs from appreciative spouses. We count the hours of decorating and grocery shopping and baking as small steps towards a forever memory. Snapshots of our special day. In fact, This is Melinda's first year to have the opportunity to host her extended family's Thanksgiving. She has expressed to me her excitement in preparing the first Thanksgiving turkey. And how especially satisfying it has been in learning the recipes that have been handed down to her from generation to generation. Didn't you say that those recipe cards were written in your own great-grandmother's handwriting? How special that must be. Some special memories that I have created with my children have been collecting fall leaves from our backyard and making turkey handprints. (laughs) Oh, and especially going around the table and saying what we're truly thankful for. So, as you look around your table at your loved ones this Thanksgiving, (laughs) count your blessings. You may just be surprised at how truly blessed you really are. Oh, and one last word to you moms, don't fall into the trap of doing everything yourself this Thanksgiving. Let your children help in the preparation so that they may be a blessing to others. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving.
0: (laughs)
4: <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know, but it looks like it, I remember the the first few Thanksgivings. It was it was a little tense. I forgot to take that little plastic bag of stuff out of the middle of the turkey. <laughs> I know one year I forgot to thaw the turkey, and I was putting it in warm water. I was trying everything I could. And then I remember one year, I don't know what happened. I think we just forgot to go shopping or something like that. We ended up out at a restaurant. I don't know how that ended up, but the four of us. My kids still talk about that. That was was fun. As we discussed last last week, though, I want Thanksgiving to become something that we do all the time. It needs to be our lifestyle, our thanks living, developing this attitude of gratitude. So how you develop these habits— Listen to these parts of scriptures that I read last week. Just a couple of them. Be thankful in all circumstances. Always be thankful. Thank him for all that he's done. Give thanks for everything to God. The point is we have to recognize who we should thank and then thank him always. So I want to go through a story here that, um, that happened in Luke chapter 17. It's, it's a short little story, but I absolutely love it at this time of year. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to begin in verse 11. And we have the scriptures up on the, as I found out last week, we have the scriptures on the board. <laughs> now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, deaning Jesus, he passed through the middle, midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them When he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. It's an amazing story because the melancholy group, this little group of lepers, they met in these villages on the borders of Samaria and Galilee. So meaning that this little group was made up of Samaritans and Jews. Now we know that there's all kinds of racial prejudice that happened between the the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other. But they had this common thread, and they gathered together. Perhaps they had met in order to appeal to Jesus together. Maybe they thought there was strength in numbers. Maybe if we all go. Maybe they thought they would move him because of the wretchedness of all of them. And possibly they were permanently segregated from others because of their leprosy. But now they're united in this hideous fellowship, so to speak. And the interesting thing, we note the leper's cry and the Lord's strange reply. He said, of course, they had to stand afar off in the distance. That was the law. It was, they, they had to cry out loud, unclean, unclean, so people would stay away. Though it must have been through this effort to yell, to cry, In leprosy, when you had it, most people who got leprosy, it also affected their throats, and they could only talk very hoarse. So it took some effort. But this desperate need to find Jesus, this desperate need gave them, I believe, a momentary strength to just muster it up and yell. Their cry indicates they also had some knowledge. They knew the Lord's name. And they must have had some dim notions of his authority because he addre- they addressed him as Jesus and master. They knew that he had the power to heal and they hoped that he would have mercy on them. There was just this speck of trust in Jesus by their desperate need. You ever been in that place? You might have just a speck. Of trust, but you're in desperate need. But to them, Jesus was nothing but a healer. Jesus seemed to have gone near the lepers, because it says, for when he saw them, not when he heard them. And Jesus approached them. Jesus always approaches those that he heals. And they may not see his face, and they might not know his compassion and love, but they set out and they felt felt themselves as this full of leprosy, it would be absurd, but unless they believed in Jesus could heal them, maybe, just maybe, they went to him. It's interesting, Jesus gives no promise to heal, but asks for them to trust his promise. We too sometimes have to act on the assumption that Jesus has granted our desires even when we're not conscious that it's so. We, too, have to sometimes set out as a priest while we still feel like the leprosy. In other words, are there times when, you know, it says that if you, if you literally give God, you know, focus all your, your focus on Him and you put all your eyes on Him, the Bible says that He gives us the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean He gives us everything our heart desires, it means that he changes what our hearts desire. And so many times I was thinking of being these lepers and, and not being that one, but being the nine. How many times has God given me a desire in my heart for something of him? And I just pass it off like, well, I just did that. That was from me instead of from him. This was a healing granted to obedient faith. The whole ten set off at once. They all got what they wanted from the Lord, and they had no more thought about him. So they turned their backs on Jesus. And how strange it must have felt as they walked along. Because if you go back to that verse, it says in the verse that, uh, bah, 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 he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, that they were cleansed meaning they were healed as they walked in obedience to the priest, as they're on their way. Can you imagine they're walking and they've got this leprosy and suddenly maybe they feel their bones straighten up a little bit. Maybe they they feel their skin, like scales, the leprosy kind of just came off. Maybe they were able to see or talk all of a sudden. On their way, they're being healed. I can just imagine... They're just going to keep on stepping and going towards and keep going. Now look at this solitary instance of thankfulness, though. The nine might have said, you can't turn around and go back. He told us to go see the priest. And the one leper is going, no, 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 no. I, he healed me. I've got to go thank him. A grateful heart always knows an expression of gratitude is the highest duty, and it's always necessary you ever get that inkling, ever, just to thank somebody, just to thank God, to thank Jesus, whatever that circumstance, if you ever get that prompting, I don't think the devil wants us to be courteous and thank people, okay? So I believe most of the time it's always going to come from God. Last Thursday, thir- uh, no, was it Thursday? Tuesday. We, Tuesday we had our board meeting, right? Last Tuesday, I was going downstairs, and no, no, before I went downstairs, I had to grab something out of the copy machine for our board meeting, and I go to unlock the door, and we have in our office door this little, just a little thing, that when you close the office door, it's automatically locked. It automatically locks. No, no, I didn't lock my keys in or anything like that. I was just, I remember when Lionel did that 10 years ago, eight years ago, and I just was like, you know, that is such a great thing to have. And I started thinking about so many of the little things that Lionel does around here. Some big things, some little things. Most people probably will not even notice half the things that Lionel does around here. And I just felt, just because of that little doorknob, I walked down and I go, you know, Lionel, I really appreciate all that you do down here. And I just felt the need to thank him. And I don't think we should, and I think it's got to be because of this series, because I don't think we think that way all the time. Like maybe he did that 10 years ago and I thanked him for that and that's all I needed to do. I thanked him when he did it, then we're done. But there's nothing wrong with going back and saying, thank you for all that you do. So this was kind of the, the same thing that's going on. This leper decides it's more important for me to go back and thank him. So many times we're so thankful to God, but we don't tell him or we don't express it. We just get our blessing and we never cast a thought about the giver. Like when was the last time you thank God that money, whether it was through Social Security or your job or retirement or your whatever, and it went into the bank account? I mean, I know about you, but I most of the time just expect it there. And if it's a little late, oh, hey. Right? Or if it's a little off. But when was the last time you would thank you, God, for your provision? Thank you. That check went in. It went right in my back. It's right there. Look at that. The leper knew that he had to thank Jesus. It says this in the verse. When he saw that he was healed, he returned. And with a loud voice glorified God. A loud voice. So we know that he's healed from the leprosy. The hoarseness is gone. But he's not only thanking God, he's going to Jesus to do it. God and Jesus. And this leper didn't even know that the two were one. His healing has brought him much nearer to Jesus than before. And now all he can do is fall at his feet. Thankfulness will knit us together with Jesus with a blessed bond. Nothing is so sweet to a loving heart than pouring out that thanks to Jesus. Jesus says, were there none found that returned to give glory to God other than this stranger? The numbers of thankless far surpass those that are thankful. It's true in this story, and it's true in life, isn't it? The question is, would you be like the one or the nine? Are you like the one now? Has he done enough for you in your life to be thankful now? For the next several minutes just here, I want us to get practical on how to become more grateful. So what are some of the things we can do to become more grateful? Well, Christmas is coming. Lots of people are going to get some gifts. Perhaps you could ask for one of these. This might help.
4: Oh really? Oh,
3: you're right. <coughs> to stop complaining. Just place on the neck. Uh, do not use if pregnant, have heart issues, or braces. Braces. I'm good? complaint, Zapper? Hi. Huh, yeah. I would, I'd, first of all, i want to start by saying I'm not complaining, but I'd like to make a suggestion. I think your Zaps might be a little... <laughs> okay,
4: that's it. That's it. I'm taking this thing off.
0: I could make a good stocking stuffer for your kids, huh? Don't you think? How much would you be zapped in a normal day? I wouldn't put it on. Aren't you glad God doesn't have a complaint zapper that he puts on us? I know I am. So how can we look at what God says? How can we we look at what God says and how can we implement in our lives about having an attitude of gratitude? Well, number one, remember, gratitude helps us to see God. Gratitude will literally open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes. There's this beautiful cycle in giving thanks. The more we thank him, the more we see him and his work around us. Gratitude helps us have this sense of God's presence, his personal care and his uh, perfect timing. I was thinking the other day, right now you guys, you should all come up on the platform. It's such a beautiful view out from the window because all the leaves are turning. And there's so many times when I see that, especially walking down the street, or coming down the driveway, I just thank God for where we live. I thank God for how beautiful it is. We appreciate the wonder of what God's artistry is when we just thank him for those little things. It helps us to see God. Gratitude puts us squarely also in God's will. So many people wonder all the time, well, what's God's will for my life? Well, start with gratitude. Gratitude. We often make God's will out to be some giant big thing or mystical plan when sometimes it's just simple obedience. All they did, the lepers did, was go to the priest. They, stayed, Jesus said, turn around and go to the priest. So they got up, turned around, and went. Simple act of obedience. Part of his will for us is to be thankful, not just on the sunny days, but on the hard days as well. Remember, we just said it in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. It says this in the complete verse, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Another thing, gratitude will defy Satan's lies. Satan is so wily. He whispers that God isn't good. That he's withholding good. But his scheme is as old as the Garden of Eden. If you think about it, when he said, did God really say you must not eat from the garden, this tree in the garden? When Eve responded that this one was off limits, he says, oh no, no, you certainly won't die. For God knows when you eat with it, your eyes will be open. Even though the garden is perfect, even though it produced abundantly without work, without weeding, without having to mow, where every single plant, but one had been given to Adam and Eve. So what what does Satan do? He focuses on the one that is lacking for our access. Satan focuses on that one thing and he says, look at God's withholding from you. Instead of true gratitude, where you look at the garden and go, hey, Satan, are you kidding me? Look at all the abundance God has given us. Satan will focus on the one thing. He gives us God protects us. And when we have gratitude, it keeps us from caving into the enemy's lies. Also, gratitude is a testimony. When we thank God openly and acknowledge what he's done for us, we proclaim personal care. I've talked to so many family members over the years and go, I am so thankful for my family. And they'll say, well, you worked really hard for it. Well, yeah, but really it only happened because of God in my life. I'm blessed with my family because I walk in obedience to Jesus. Now, it's not a prerequisite, but I know that it's for me and my house. We serve the Lord, and then I see the fruit of that. Yeah, we work hard as parents, right? We still do. (laughs) And yet, at the same time, people can't see that it's a testimony. So when I thank God, thank God for the provision, thank God for my family, thank God for my wife, it is a testimony to who God is. Psalms 105 says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. It is wonderful to be around those that maybe don't even believe in God and say, look what the Lord has done in me. So how can we apply this in our lives so we can have this life of thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. So here we are. Number one, start a Thanksgiving letter tradition. I love this one. Write a letter to your, write two letters. One to your spouse or the closest person to you. And then write another one to that that person who really has been a blessing this year to you. Just write a letter. Thank you so much for being in my life. Start thinking of the character traits in your spouse or your friends or your family member. And just start listing gratitude for that being in their lives. Another way to do this is start a gratitude journal. I I have a a happy file, I call it. Uh, Another pastor told me, start your happy file now. And I said, what's a happy file? He goes, every time someone writes you a letter of encouragement or a card that's encouraging or a little note, you stick it in that file. I still have my happy file because there are going to be times of discouragement, times where you're going through a difficult time and, or somebody writes a nasty letter and you want to look at it and you go, wait wait a minute, let me, let me check out my happy file and I'll pull out a ho- picture of a horse that, Denise, uh, that Jennifer Bikin drew me or a letter from Gillian or Riker. I love looking at those. But you can also just buy a notebook and just keep a journal of things you're thankful for. Imagine your family years later, maybe after you're gone and great grandkids come along and they see a journal of all the things great grandma, great grandpa was thankful for. Or as Susan, take her an illustration. Susan does such a beautiful job of serving the less fortunate locally just to be on the lookout for someone who needs help. Go get him a sandwich or just ask if you can pray for him. Learning to serve others helps us focus off of ourselves. It helps you to be more grateful for what you have. If you talk to Susan, she's downstairs helping with the kids. She wasn't feeling good this week and she walked through those doors, Eva. And first thing she said to me is, I get to help with the kids today. She has a grateful heart. Or how about this, do something at Thanksgiving to jumpstart a new way of life, a new tradition. How about this? We've done this in our family where we write everybody's name down and we put it in a bowl. And then as we are serving Thanksgiving dinner, you got to pull a name out and you got to say something that you're thankful for about them. It's just kind of fun. Number six, if you have children or as our case, grandchildren as well, write a letter to them separately. I, I wrote a letter to Dominic while Alicia was pregnant with Maverick about the promises of God for him to be a great father and what it meant to us that he's the head of his home and leading his home being a great husband. And the reason I did that is because he's not going to always feel like that. But imagine the power of your kids like a teenage kid. You write a letter and hide it in their room somewhere and they just kind of stumble upon it. My wife used to write little notes in their lunches all the time. Just something encouraging. Something she was thankful for in them. The point is there's lots of ways to start growing in gratitude. Gratitude. But here's the catch each one of them will require something of you. It's not gonna automatically happen. <laughs> it's like, John, you ever see people when they wanna be have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, right? And they'll go like this. Okay, God. And it's something we have to do. It's not something that just happens. Thanksgiving, living a life of thanks, living, is something you have to do. It won't just happen. So the challenge today is to try to create and commit to some new habits. Try some ideas that we shared, or come up with some more of your own. Can you at least commit? And the reason I'm saying this amount of time is because I wanted to go past Thanksgiving. Can we commit to 30 days of thanks, living? And look at Thanksgiving as kind of your booster to get you over the next 10, 15 days. If you become more thankful, a more grateful person, it will make a tremendous difference in your life. But more importantly than even that, it'll it'll affect those around you. And not just for Thanksgiving, but throughout the year. The point of the message is for you to do something. It can't be just happenstance thanks living doesn't happen by accident come on let's all stand to our feet i pray that we can just be a little more grateful a little more thankful you know when i you know i just thought about this i wanted to put this in my message and i just remembered i'm so glad i there is something that happens to me every single day i'm not kidding every single day when i well okay it's every single day if i'm out of bottled water and I got to go use the faucet, okay? So that's mostly every single day. So because Debbie takes all the water and brings them to work. So anyway, so I'll grab a glass of water and I'll turn on the faucet and I'll and I'll put it under that faucet to collect the water. And I'm not kidding. To this day, about 12, over 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, I went on a missions trip to the Ukraine. And I remember just the struggle to find a good glass of water. There was one place we went to, the guy had drilled this massive, massive well that went down like 100 feet or some ridiculous amount. And the water was amazing. And it was, we were, I just remember being so thankful for the water. So every time I put water in, in this glass in my faucet, I always think you the crane. And I'm so thankful that I can just get a glass of water. And maybe you need something little like that just to kind of stir up that attitude of gratitude. Think of what God has done. I mean, frankly, salvation is the ultimate gift we have to thank God for. Our lives are no longer our own. They're his anyway. But he's left us here until he comes back to come get us or until we go home to be with him. So in the meantime, we can be grateful for every single breath Every single moment. Father, thank you for this family of God. That we can love one another, care for one another, lift each other up. Thank you, God, for all those that give so much to this church, like Lionel and so many others. Thank you for those that give so much of their time and care to this place. And I could go on and on, God, for all the people that make Mount Zion Church so wonderful. But God, help us to to walk out of this today being more grateful to having an attitude of gratitude that as we do little things like maybe get a glass of water or or see someone on the street that needs a, a hand, that God, we would be sensitive to those things. We would walk in obedience to those things and we would have a heart of gratitude like that one leper. Let us be like that one leper that shows our appreciation to you for everything in our lives. Thank you again, God, for so many wonderful people in my life, in my family, my church family. Now I ask you to go before us and help us have new eyes to see all those things to be grateful for in our lives. We ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great time down at Los Minos, all you seniors, and then I will grab. Make sure you grab more cards to invite people to our Christmas series next month. God bless you guys. And sign up back at the table to help Eva decorate the church. God bless you guys.